3: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Treehouse,
0: Episode 17. Old Rotten Hat with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Old Rotten Hat.
1: They don't often explain the uh, titles to the show because um, they just pulled it out of the Mm. air. Uh, By the way, very good morning to you, everybody. Here we go again with another two hours of fun. Old and young, without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Um, old rotten hat is—I don't know if your mum or nan ever used to say it was a very, very popular expression. No. Rottenhat. Oh, it, it again before you know Newgate's
0: um, knocker was new, one. Of my new Newgate's Newgate new Newgate's new oh, knocker. New knocker,
1: but no, old rotten hat was a catch-all phrase before the world became obsessed with <sighs> vulgarity, where nothing matters, even the most strenuous of swear words. Old rotten hat. Was oh, like, was it? Oh, old, okay. yeah, well, it, it was just a catch-all phrase. Who's that you do that podcast with? Old. You know, it had (laughs) nothing to do with hats or being in any kind of. uh, I'll tell you who. Took us on the other day down the market. Old Rotten Hat, what's his name? Always it was the marker for getting someone's real name. And uh, Robert Wyatt, whom God preserve, uh, his third album was called Old Rotten Hat. Oh. And I don't know if a lot of people know. And no, play me his know. mother or grandmother. Old Rotten Hat is a catch-all phrase for someone who uh, either you can't remember their name or they they're, they're not your favourite person.
0: No, uh, my nan's ones were Nanook of the North. Oh, you oh, look like Nanook of the North. If you're all wrapped up, yeah. Yeah, and if you had big hair. Oh, look, it's Nazimova! <laughs> That. Who Maybe. was? I've looked her up. They were <laughs> a, a silent movie star with big hair. Really? Oh, look, it's Nazimova. Uh, Nazimova. Face Faceache. That's not been Russian.
1: outrageous. Faceache was a good one. Who have been out with? old Faceache. If they didn't like one of my sister's mates. Oh, no, no. Is she coming around? Oh, Faceache. She's bringing that boyfriend of hers. Oh, rotten hat. that. <laughs> so that's where we are. And that's all we've got time for this week. We'll see you very, very soon. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, the standard of emails, I know I say this... I sound like some old rotten act just trying to get on your good side, but you've got some, we've got some belters. We've got some five inches of belters, but the newer ones. We as could well. do two hours
0: today, actually. Well, I think
1: we should just, um, and this is probably a conversation we should have away from the podcast, just read them all out anyway. And then <laughs> uh, uh, when I have an emergency like last week, just slice them up and stick that out. It's an all, because they are of an extraordinary stripe. And I cannot tell you uh, how, how we sit here and literally. LOL. <laughs> we do. Before the show, we were. <laughs> but we won't tell each other. Very good morning to you anyway, everybody. Uh, so uh, 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 today, not mm. many anything else, it's um, the invention of the banjo clock. Yes, the banjo clock. The banjo clock. Uh, it was invented in um, 1802. And it, it's any clock that looks like a banjo. And, but apparently this was revolutionary at the time. You know you get the... Um, you don't get them anymore. Um, but you had the barometers. Mm-hmm. And you, what do you do with a barometer? You walk up and you tap it.
0: Yes. You tap it. <laughs> My dad still does. Oh. Still got one in the hall.
1: Oh, man. I'm going to ask something of the audience here because. Uh, had I prepared, I'd have known. Please go on Amazon and look for their barometer reviews <laughs> and send them to us, mm. and I'll read them out. The best barometer reviews will get read out.
0: My dad bought me one for my garden. <laughs> I looked out this morning, so minus <laughs> minus two out there, everyone. That's no. well, more of a thermometer than a barometer. But, well,
1: yeah. every sitcom and sketch show up to about 1975, let's say uh, someone like uh, Terry Scott or, or whoever might walk up to a barometer, tap it twice, oh, yeah. they walk up to it... Mm-mm, wet and windy. <laughs> Always wet and windy on a barometer, <laughs> Or there was no point having a barometer in a sketch. But anyway, the, ban- the banjo clock... Uh,
0: Shape, what, with the neck and everything?
1: Simon Willard controversially brought out the... Uh, uh, a banjo clock in 1802. Yeah, the clock that was a banjo. It would have
0: been the Billy Bass fish of its time at that Christmas, wouldn't it? Everyone, Everyone would have got a banjo, a banjo clock. A banjo
1: clock. And uh, uh, if anyone's still got a banjo clock, please, photograph evidence, please. And, uh, but uh, it was a controversy at the time because there was no striking me- mechanism in it, right? Had no striking mechanism. And therefore, even today... Can you tell I'm reading this? Even today, horologists insist on classifying not as a clock, but as a timepiece. Oh! There's friction. Up
0: there, you can't. An <laughs> emergent clock has to strike,
1: does it? Well, according to horologists, it does. Yeah, otherwise, it's simply a timepiece. I've
0: only owned timepieces. It's a timepiece for many a year.
1: We've got some tremendous emails, uh, both sides of the table about. Um, uh, there's posh, the poshest oh, thing you ever saw. Oh yes. Uh, someone in my family, or, 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 I mean, nameless, once went out the uh, someone who came round, and you know we're very informal, in, uh, and, and when Wendy and me got married, we didn't have a proper photographer. But we weren't. Going to do one of those where I had to stand on the steps of the registry oh, office. Oh, look at your watch! Yeah, and, and the best man is pulling me in, mm. and uh, you know, th- bridesmaids
0: peeping while you have a kiss.
1: The one where there used to be one, and I'm afraid, Sharon, if you're listening, you you had to do this. Uh, the bride had to sit with the, on the lap of the groom while he was supposedly distracted, and they would hold the marriage certificate with a thumb up as if to say, "I got him." Oh. I know, I know. But people, photographers used to boss people
0: about Oh, wedding. absolutely. Right, everybody,
1: now just the bride's family, and everyone's shouting, at, Tony, Tony, it's outside there. Um, but, um, uh, so, the, the, I can't remember how we got it into it. It was posh. It. Oh, yes. And we uh, were showing these photos to this um, girl who was briefly in the family. And she uh, uh, looked at him and said, but these aren't your wedding photos, are they? And I said, yeah. And of course, they wonderful, you know, vibrant photos. She went, these are just snaps. Oh. Oh. But we've got a lot of those, please. Anyway, so there's that. But uh, let, let's get on with this. It's also the um, uh, anniversary of the very first performance of Getting Gertie's Garter. Now, as soon as I That's saw a this, wedding photo <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I thought, I, you know, you and I are pretty media savvy, and mm. we, we like to pride ourselves that we know all the references. Getting Gertie's Garter. If you go onto wikipedia mm-hmm. i thought well, i'll have a look at huge entry for getting gertie's garter now getting gertie's garter um is about um uh, jewel robbery where the jewels are lost but are then sewn into a garter oh. which then gets appropriated and Gertie gets married in it unaware that these are real jewels and then The Hunt is on. This is in 1922. I was going to say, when, when are we... 1922 and then The Hunt is on for getting Gertie's garter. <laughs> now,
0: Why is it significant? Uh, well, it, it, I don't know. I looked and I thought,
1: exactly. We will start the show any second now. So I thought, I've never heard of getting Gertie's garter. I know all the silent films, I think, of the major stars. Never heard. It's been remade. About twenty times, getting Goethe's garter, uh, and uh, I, so I went on Wikipedia. Huge entry for it, but when you give the plot, you think, "Oh, that's good. This is I, I want to see getting Are we doing a getting, getting Gerty's garter now." Because listen to this, I wrote it out longhand. Oh, we're, you and I, Peps, will be the angels for this. Uh, here it goes. Later in the in the plot. Patty falls into a water barrel. Gertie's brother-in-law, Billy, helps her dry her clothes and Billy's wife becomes jealous when she sees them together in the barn. <laughs> Of course, it's 1922. There's a water barrel. Someone's going in there. Someone's
0: going in there. And a wife is always going to yeah. misunderstand a, a wet clothes. A wet woman. clothes
1: in the barn. Uh, there's that. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll bring you this morning, it's uh, Dame Edith Evans' birthday today. A
0: handbag.
1: Well, you you say that, you see, and and but nobody can ever do it properly because
0: a handbag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, I got up. Uh-huh. I got up. Uh-huh. when I saw that this morning. I got. I went out to my overspill in the shed, <laughs> which is all the albums that are unfiled, crates and crates of them. I've got to bring it in. And uh, I found uh, uh, a little of it and I I was dedicated and I went and... A handbag. Every actress that's played that role since can't do it. Should you be cast as Lady Bracknell? And he says, I'm afraid I was born in a handbag, Lady Bracknell. Every actress now has to go, a handbag, because they can't go...
3: A handbag. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, for the next show, I want handbag stories, please. <laughs> uh, give us something from over there, Pep. what are we actually doing today? Oh Peps? yes,
0: hang on. Let me scribble down handbag stories.
1: One more, one more, one more, one more. A
0: handbag. <laughs>
1: sorry, 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 to surprise you with that, but that's uh that's gonna you're gonna get sick of that by the end of the podcast. <laughs> what you got there, Pep?
0: Number one, the poshest thing anyone has ever seen. Number two, can animals understand music? Well, let
1: me stop you there. What, what, what is your take on this?
0: I'm sure I've heard stories before of people whose dogs knew that when the Coronation Street music came on, it was time for walkies or whatever. I'm I'm sure... But that's not understanding
1: music. See, people say that to me, and uh, our bear, our little bear... and literally is the original bearer of Little Brain. Not very bright, he's not. He's got a little little raisin for a brain. His brother's better. And, frankly, his brother's embarrassed by him. But he barks at the telly all the time, Emmerdale, Coronation Street. But it's because in the opening titles there are four-leggers.
0: Oh, uh, okay. uh,
1: But I don't believe animals understand music.
0: But they do say to leave it... or is it leave, Do you leave it on a speech channel if you go out and leave a dog at home? Isn't that something you're supposed to leave a radio on? So they've got company? Well, my
1: um, Sally, a previous uh, uh, golden retriever, Named Sally after the character in Nightmare Before Christmas. Never let never let the kids call her. Anyway, so um, uh, Sally uh, was terrified of fireworks. Terrified oh, of fireworks. Yeah. But the only thing that would soothe her on firework night, I found out by trial and error, was Ackerbilk's Stranger on the Shore. <laughs> And I am, because I live on Black Blackheath, there's a massive firework display. and all the family used to go to it. My job was to sit indoors and on a loop.
0: <laughs> and, uh, by the way, the, the, first, the
1: first number one British record in the States was Stranger on the Shore. What else are we doing, peps? Uh,
0: number three, bizarre items people have brought into work. And number four, the pluses and minuses of your parents' job.
1: Well, I can't thank you enough for all the responses to these and every single one before we finish here, uh, although I'll have to live to about 165... Uh, will get if we'll you get read out, but no, no doubt. So, what you got over there,
0: Pepe? Well, this is unusual things brought into work, oh, and okay. this is from Alison. Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher who trained in a local comp and then, God knows how, I've got myself a job in a private school. I did find the pupils were slightly different to my previous school, only once seeing a Latin book thrown in anger rather than a chair <laughs> hurled across the room. But more surprising was the eclectic and eccentric staff. Mr B, my next-door classroom neighbour, was my favourite. Sadly, he had a bit of a diabetic foot problem and would occasionally be, occasionally be absent. I would cover his diabe- class...
1: Cler- Sorry, I do apologise.
0: A diabetic foot problem? I assume like a circulation thing maybe maybe it would get I don't, I don't, I don't really want to make light much... of it, it's
1: probably a terrible blight but the idea you could sit down with the GP who says we've got your results back um, you're not, as you suspected diabetic, oh thank god when I say that your foot is, it just doesn't seem something <laughs> I've well, ever heard the of diabetes before. Diabetes
0: perhaps had an impact on his foot. Anyway, uh. I cover his class and retreat myself to a games of things you wouldn't expect to find in a classroom with a point system. Nail clippers, for example, one point. Oh. The nail clippings in an empty mustard jar, five. points.
1: Oh, how revolting! It's the most revolting thing.
0: I also found mm-hmm. two breeze blocks, uh-huh. bagpipes a pair oh. of slippers oh hang on the bagpipes you can't just find bagpipes in a school
1: you can't in his, in mr b's classroom a no, pair you, of... ca- you can't i'm willing to
0: accept most of the hoopla people send us but what's that over there a set of bagpipes a pair of slippers a garden gnome old white wife fronts used as a board rubber <laughs> a dog bed a boulder with the name bob written on it <laughs> a samurai sword, brackets later confiscated by the deputy head, swimming goggles, and a concrete cat, spray-painted gold. On the day Mr B retired, he sent a small boy on an exhausting errand of carrying said concrete cat cat, three floors up to my new classroom and leaving it for me as a departing gift. It's a terrifying thing. He took three days with a wheelbarrow to empty his classroom when he retired, and we miss him and his diabetic feet. Total points, 47. That
1: is extraordinary, uh, the difference there between your state and your private. My my daughter's a uh, infants teacher, uh, you know, a toddlers teacher at a state school. Previously been a, a private. And yes, there is. There's, but there's advantages to both. While you say that, of course, we are asking the poshest thing anyone's ever witnessed, and this sits in with um, uh, Perhaps that thing. Simon's in touch. <laughs> I saw your request for the poshest thing anyone's ever witnessed. I was once watching Somerset Cricket when a batsman lost his wicket. The man in front of me stood up and yelled, Piran, you're a plum! (laughs) As a football fan, the anger in the crowd made a refreshing change from the vitriol on the (laughs) terraces. Piran, you're a bloody plum! <laughs> a plum is, again, That's like a crumb, lovely is, a, is a, I also, he says, went to a stack weekend where someone turned up in Portugal wearing a tweed jacket.
3: Oh, oh we got lovely. Pl- we've got
1: plenty of these uh, before we continue. Uh, this is from uh, Tony, on the similar theme. Whilst being seated at a table at a restaurant in Venice, a second waiter appeared with a velvet footstool. We looked perplexed until he announced for Madame's bag not to be on the floor.
0: Oh, if you please. Can I tell you
1: something? I've been there.
0: Oh! It
1: can't be a different restaurant in Venice. No. And that's what they're known for. Away with I'll bottom be like, of bed. What, bag. this whole
0: thing from Zara?
1: <laughs> well, I must oh. say I'm all for that. And they brought... No, we've got to move on. They brought... uh, uh, Was it there? The first time anyone ever brought the wine out, um, red wine out, in one of those little little sort of cradles. You ever seen those? Mm. With a candle underneath it. And then it was, after a while, decanted into uh, a a decanter uh, and then poured, by which time my tongue was around (laughs) my ankles. But we sat there and I thought, I'm gasping. I'm literally gasping. And he he was after his bung. (laughs) As, as my dad put out, "Don't know about that. He just his bung. It had nothing apparently to do with the value of the grape." Uh, what, what's there, Pep?
0: This is from Graham in Bromley. Things you have sat on. Things. Oh, good. From things. The other week. Things you have sat on. Off he would go. like. He'd like you to know that he was formerly known as the jumping cat, a foreign correspondent, and a regular Alfie Moon. Oh, okay. Yes, titles. okay.
1: I'll bring in the Alfie Moon clip one these times.
0: Um, hello, Candyman. Back in 1997, I was in Panama, visiting the island's Bocas del Toro. While getting a small ferry back to the mainland very early in the morning and very tired, I went to take a seat. <laughs> they were white plastic chairs, and on one, someone had left a white cushion. I thought, I'll bagsy that one. As I sat down, I realised the cushion was more like a box and rather soft in the middle. Uh-oh. I jumped straight up and looked at the slightly crumpled box, and as I lifted the lid and exposed to my horror... A birthday cake. Oh. Happy Uh birthday, number seven, and a name hand piped on an ice top, which had now merged together with a dented imprint of my posterior. (laughs) My wife said, What are you thinking, you idiot? I said, I thought it was a cushion. (laughs) There were only a couple of people on the ferry at the back, so I went and sat somewhere else and hoped the person who came in wouldn't notice. I was mistaken. A lady got on and straight away noticed something wasn't right with the box. She took a peek inside and gasped. My heart sank and I oh. went bright red and she asked all the fellow passengers in Spanish who could have done this. They duly pointed Did me out. Did they? Good for them. That's a grass him up. Yeah. Being the only foreigner on board, I somewhat stood out. She, unfortunately, spoke good English and mm. berated me in front of a full ferry for a very long 45-minute <laughs> journey. <laughs> At the other end, I apologised profusely and said, I'll buy you another cake. You can't buy another cake. She berated me again. She'd made it herself for oh, her seven-year-old. No nephew's birthday party that she was on her way to. Oh, Where would I get a cake in a small port town, you idiot?
1: That's just
0: I've never felt more stupid in Sir or sorry, in all my 52 years, and I reversed over my wife's aunt's wreath at my mother-in-law's <laughs> funeral. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 again, it sounds
1: patronized The level of writing in these, <laughs> always those little zinger playoffs. Don't worry if you don't do one of those, but it's always that that, that, that <laughs> tops the story right at the end. Uh, see, if you sat on it, it should have been some kind of piping or creme anglaise on the seat of his pants. I'm no Poirot, but that's where you start your investigations. (laughs) That doesn't sound like the right thing to say, does it? Uh, Oh, I'll I'll do this and then we'll move on to our first call, but how about this? Now, last week, and we we are nothing if not... um, how old fellow well met you could have broadcast this on the home service in the 1930s, mm. uh, but occasionally we lapse into the and, and we last did. week we heard about the story of the person who was tripping
3: Mm-mm. having
1: taken acid, watching a thunderstorm in the woods with his friends, and seeing the greatest light show he 'd ever experienced, then moved to a children 's playground where they all lay on a roundabout and went round and where on watching it, and thus enhanced the vibe well. Uh, good friend Mickey gets in touch, and I say that because he grew up exactly around where I did. Uh, He's heard the stories about the acid trips, and this is just, this is medical research. We're putting this out, there just as oral history, nothing as uh, an endorsement. On the train back from seeing the Stones at Nebworth and still tripping, we got caught in a carriage with a speed freak who sang Sympathy for the Devil all the way back to London. (laughs) We eventually thought he was in hell and he was the devil. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Early 1970s, two powerful microdots began working near the top of Meiju House while I was in the lift with strangers. I used to live in Meiju House on the oh. 19th floor. Uh, it's a huge tower block in Bermondsey. I was uh, These two microdots began working near the top of Maju House while I was in the lift with strangers. Suddenly, I got the horrors, demanding the lift to stop so I could get out and run the 20-odd flights down the stairs screaming. Oh, no! But best of all... You might not just indulge us in this. We're not looking always for uh, LSD stories. Uh, we, we used to score off Mick the Hippie. We used to deal in Piccadilly Circus. 50 pence each or three for a pound. We then used to walk home and get round the flats completely tripping out. One time, we were heading down Abbeyfield Road. again very local to me. Tripping right out. It was about 11 o'clock. It was all still houses in those days and we came across a pair of shoes, nicely lined up next to each other in the middle of the pavement. Anyone would have found this very odd and in our state of mind, we weren't sure if it was true. We had to ask each other if we were seeing the pair of shoes on the pavement. Eventually, we figured out we were. And after a while of trying to work out how this could have happened and what we could do, we ventured back to the estate, leaving them there. Lo and behold, we saw our friend Smut walking around like a zombie. He didn't have any shoes on. Lost my shoes. I've I've lost my shoes. He was tripping worse than us. Smut, we said. They're down on Abbeyfield Road. Oh... Oh, cheers, he said. And off he went, as if this was the most normal conversation in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that one's put me off. Oh, I, 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 here's the thing, and, and I don't say this lightly, but uh, in... in I don't, the date, what date do we record this on? February the 7th, is it? Is it 6th or 7th? Uh, yes, it's oh, 7th, okay. yeah. uh, You're probably listening on the 8th. You might be listening 100 years' time. <laughs> but here's the thing. In a year's time... And reminders of this, some, one of you who got a calculator, not a calculator, a phone. Uh, in a year's time, Peps and I are going to take acid before the show. All right! Now, we're going to see how that goes. Mm. Well, it's, it's produced on acid every week, so it can't be that bad. The fellow through there, he seems to... Uh, uh, yes, you. What, what was I saying? I was uh, referring to...
0: A hand hand
1: Peps, we've got a caller, I believe. We have, we've got you? Adrian. Hey, hey, it's our friend Adrian. Hey, Adrian! Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Could, couldn't be better, Adrian. Um, uh, and i good, good. Uh, I und- I've seen where you're from. Where are you from? Where are you calling from? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm, I live in Manila at the moment,
1: for my sins. This is... We may as well be tripping on acid now, Adrian, because I had a long... <laughs> converse, look, look, I had a conversation just yesterday evening about Manila. Now, oh. this is why this is... Oh, right. uh, But not uh, your Manila, I don't think. We were in the post office. Uh, Mancy had to buy oh. a folder. And I looked at the yep. envelopes, and, of course, there's white... And there's manila. Yep. And I said, meant yep. why aren't those brown envelopes why this is the only time you ever hear mm. that word you, manila envelopes. Large manila, manila. envelopes, yeah. And that but is that yeah. linked to where you are now?
2: I don't know. I haven't got a clue to right. be I'm honest on, same... on that one. It's one of those things they've always been called manila envelopes. They've always they? manila. So, I not... don't know why.
1: And, yeah. and the white is just yep. plain white. They're manila and I think it's very incurious of you to be living over what do you do over there, by the mm-hmm. way?
2: Oh, I I sell radio communication systems, so I've lived over in Asia for many, many years. Have you really? Uh, when, when just, you just Spy. enjoying
1: the... Uh, I know, we, we always think anyone who lives abroad who deals in... Well, anything is a spy. Uh, how long you been there? How long you been there, Adrian?
2: Uh, well, actually, in Manila, only about two years, but I've lived away from UK for over twenty years Have in you... various places: Australia, Malaysia, oh. and now now familiar, uh, now Philippines.
1: Well, that's just the the um, um, base and apex of that. Where would you say is the uh, the place you're most fond of uh, living when you've been abroad?
2: I think I think Malaysia actually, because the food is absolutely fantastic. You can get all. Different types of food: Chinese, Malay, Indian yeah. type food. Sounds Any good. times a day or night, twenty-four hours a day, you can get some good food.
1: And 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 the other end of the uh, spectrum, where, where do you least care for? Where do you least care for? <laughs> uh,
2: Oh dear. Well, I hope nobody from Philippines is listening to this. But I think Philippines. <laughs> oh, huge. Because the, because the the Filipino food is not that good, unfortunately.
0: Isn't it? Uh, Isn't
1: it? Uh, d- 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 and the reason well, for that being, we don't
0: get many Filipino restaurants, do we? Here, there must be a reason for that.
1: Well, I suppose so. Well,
2: exactly. Yeah, it... you can always find a Thai restaurant, a Malaysian restaurant, Indonesian restaurant, Chinese restaurant, but you never see Filipino restaurants. And, and, and,
1: you, don't sa- and you don't. buy the And you don't, by the same token, uh, see many British restaurants or. And I think... <laughs> no, I, th- I think... I think, oh, no. you do pudding. You don't. You know, I mean, that's the... Uh, my one millionaire scheme I once had, and I've mentioned this many times because I'm hoping uh, uh. someone will invest, is to standardise the British calf, the good calves. Ooh, yeah. You know, I told Chris Evans when we was at Ginger, Adrian, I said, yeah, a yeah. string of ginger calves, you know you're going to get two sausage, <laughs> egg chips and beans, crusty bread, real done properly, so we come out of a station, oh, there's a... J- that's the one thing we've not jumped on in our yeah, own there's culture.
0: There's a terrible exact well, pub... Particularly in America, they try and make a They're British publicist well, terrible. He, his
1: palate is obviously <laughs> sophisticated, but if Adrian was over in the Philippines and he and he saw a, a ginger caffeine, oh, I can get the real deal there. Why that hasn't been standardised? I really fancy. Yeah, know. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian, why have you called us? I do apologise.
2: Well, I was calling about uh, the pros and cons of your uh, your parents' career. Good. Actually. Go on, my
1: friend. What do you got?
2: Yeah. Well, many years ago, my father used to work uh, for a company that was based opposite the Mars Factory in Slough. Oh. Now they did uh, a lot of maintenance work in the Mars Factory, which gave him access to the um, uh, the staff discounts. Huh. So on a Friday, my father would come back with this huge bag of Mars products. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mars bars, snicker, oh, marathons as they were in those days, yeah. revels, and all the old old products. So we get this huge bag of uh, Mars products every Friday. Wonderful. Which was well in, initially great, but the downside of that was my father used to bring home this huge bag of chocolate every week, yeah. and we just got sick sick of the stuff. We couldn't eat it all. <laughs> did you and get? Did you grow? Did
1: you grow fat as a house?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and it, e- even. 45 years later or whatever it is now I still can't look at a Mars bar they just make me feel ill oh is that right I just ate ate, ate too many of the damn things when I was a teenager well,
3: anyway
1: I'll I'll, I'll, I'll just stop you there my mum used to work in a a chocolate factory Shuttleworth chocolate factory in Gallywall Road se 16 she real life Willy Wonka she worked there and like your parents had access to various sweetmeats now she used to come home on a Friday with just you know ones that hadn't made the grade seconds in, yeah, in, cellophane yeah, exactly bags, yep. in cellophane bags. In cellophane bags. And we used to distribute them yep, throughout yep. the state. But I'll tell you this while we're just talking. How about this, Pebs? I don't lean towards any fetish. But um, rather than enjoy the ones she brought home, a walnut whirl or a, a whatever, all individual ones for mm. chocolate boxes, my mum used to walk upon chocolate all day, ones that <laughs> fell off the conveyor belt. And if she trod, yeah. if she trod on a violet cream... <laughs> I would sit down. I mean, she used to wear Doctor Skull sandals, Adrian. I used to turn the sandal over to inspect if there was the telltale violet, <laughs> and I would sniff them. I would, I'd like the smell of, uh, and I would sit on the stairs and smell the soles of my mother's shoes. Now, if that isn't a, a frank, oh dear. Frank, that, no, it's revol- that is a strange fetish. It is, well, <laughs> fetish is probably too strong a word, but I associate that. <laughs> uh, so, so what happened with the chocolate in the end? Anything?
2: Well, well I, then I hit on the idea. we got all this chocolate sitting in the cupboard at home and yeah. we're just going to waste. Yeah. So, what I used to do. I used to take it to school and then uh, sell it to, to half the price of the, uh, the tuck <laughs> shop. <laughs> did oh. you?
1: And that's why you live in a solid gold house in the Philippines. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Did you make uh, Entrepreneur for a young age. Did, did you uh, make, make a few quid out of that? Yeah, well, I'd about quid in
2: those days in the 70s, but certainly I supplemented my meagre... Uh,
1: pocket money, yeah, for well sure. Well done, well done. And, and how long did your parents have an association with the uh, Mars factory before your sauce dried up? <laughs>
2: I, oh, to be honest, I can't quite remember now. Yeah. But it was again, it was a seasonal thing because you couldn't do it really in the summer. If you put a load of Mars products in your school bag <laughs> and took them to school in the summer, by the time you got round to selling them, they were all just sort of a chocolate mush at the bottom of your bag. Hey, come so on. it
1: was very seasonal. A, a real entrepreneur would have scooped out that good mush and gone around <laughs> going, hey, five pounds, <laughs> a handful of mush. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. well, well, bless <laughs> your age. Still you, chocolate. You, uh, and, and we talk at 11 o'clock in the morning because it's a radio yeah uh, uh, essential what time is it over there right now
2: Oh, it's, well, actually, I'm in Malaysia at the moment. I've been on business here in Malaysia. It's 7 o'clock in the evening here. Oh, well, bless lovely. You,
1: bless you for taking the time to talk to us. And by the way, uh, if, you, if you run into a good correspondent of ours called David Quo, who lives out there now, <laughs> he lives in Malaysia... OK. Possibly. But, and the other yeah. thing, because we're a topical show, if nothing else, uh, how, are you doing <laughs> with the, how are you doing with the virus knocking around oh, you Are you yeah. taking plenty of chocolate for it? Uh, a, a, a vaccine for well,
2: it? Uh, yeah, well, not chocolate so much, but making sure I wash my hands all the time and using uh, antiseptic wipes and all that sort you, of... Uh, I hate, good, uh, good
1: hate, to, hate to tell you Adrian, but they're all, they've all got their wet wipes out and wiping the microphone next door. And <laughs> thinking, oh, we didn't know that. Uh, bless you. Thank you very much indeed for being with us, my friend, and putting up with the hoopla. How uh, so
0: about that? Well... I wonder if they still have tuck shops now that everything's got to be a lot healthier oh, of course in not. school. Of course not. Also, you know... I'd we work... were allowed to run it when you are in sixth form. You were allowed to take turns to run the tuck shop. We are... Uh... I always make it sound like they uh, must have uh, lost so much money. Make it sound like I grew
1: up in, you know, uh, likely lads episode. But <laughs> they, they, we didn't have one, of course, you know. Um. They, you know no, we didn't, we didn't. But that's all right. And then they tried to do one in a storeroom, a Mr. Mm. Asami. All it had was fizzy drinks. That's all you could buy. Uh, and he had a bottle of what used to be called Zesto, (laughs) some lemonade, some limeade, some orangeade, and you could buy a little tiny beaker of it, tiny beaker. They were from what passed for our science lab, these little things you put samples in. (laughs) From 3D. And uh, then they said, would you and uh, John Lacey like to... Take over it because we were the trusted kids, oh. but the takings mysteriously mm. fell from uh, several shillings down to just one threepence, and <laughs> the tuck shop was closed. Oh, but, <laughs> but you worked—you worked in one.
0: Yeah, we were. Once you're in sixth form, if you were a prefect, you were allowed to run tuck shop one lunchtime per week. So you all took it in turns, and you were allowed one chocolate bar as your payment for running oh. tuck shop. But of course,
1: Trousy. never yeah.
0: quite went I'd that way. Hate, I'd
1: hate to see how low hung the, the hem of your We'll and the,
0: exactly, and the, <laughs> and the and the and the discount when your friend came to buy, you know, oh. one one Highland toffee, one twirl, and a and That's a packet of um, fish and chip crisps, yeah. and you'd go, oh, one twirl is it? And yeah,
1: 30p. My, uh, my good mate Johnny Summers when he was barman in the Albion Albion Street SE16 didn't last very long. There used to be barmen in there. You could walk up there, order a round of drinks, and uh, it'd say, you know, all right, it's 8 pounds 850 and you give him a tenner, he'd give you £9 in change. <laughs> Bang! Oh, very popular pub it was for about three days. Uh, what you got there, Peps?
0: Uh, this is from Dave, regarding Christmas Humphreys, of, Judge of whom Christmas
1: Humphreys, yes, indeed.
0: Years ago in the early 80s, I was teaching English and then was told I'd have to teach P.E. every Friday afternoon as well. That weekend, I went shopping up in town and, after buying a new tracksuit, bought a few records in our price, Van Morrison's Beautiful Vision and John Cooper Clarke's Disguise in Love. Well done. Later, I browsed in Foyle's Bookshop and picked up Christmas Humphrey's book, A Western Approach to Zen, and caught the train home. That evening... I tried on my tracksuit, parading before the mirror like a human saveloy, <laughs> and settled down with my new albums and book. First, uh, first on the turntable, John Cooper Clarke. I was a bit surprised by the coincidence that one track was called, I've Got a Brand New Tracksuit. Mm. How strange, I thought, I've mm. just bought one too. A few cold drinks later, I'd put on the Van Morrison I'm album. Ahead of you here. Yeah. Imagine my surprise during cleaning windows when he sings, I went home and read my Christmas Humphrey's book on Zen. Yes, he does. I threw the book across <laughs> the room as if it were a hot coal. <laughs> to <It's a> Dave. <laughs> of course he does. Ooh. Why didn't I remember
1: that? Of course it turns up in cleaning windows. And... Oh. oh. A moment ago, I said... Um, about the drinks, mm. and I said shrooms, 3D. Also in cleaning windows, he said, "Oh, oh here's a 3D bit on the win- um, uh, window windowsill." Oh. Yes, he does.
0: Van is with us.
1: No, no, no. A van, the, the broadcast. The fella just was worked in broadcast, and we just spoke to. <laughs> I don't allow these shows to go in for any awards, isn't it? Um, so, uh, I don't know whether to do this now. It's one of the great... I will do it in a second. It's, it's from Martin, and you know it, and it's about the poshest thing anyone Oh! And re- it is one of those brilliantly written things, and not only that, one of the best emails we ever got, which is not to thumb our nose at all the others. Uh, what you got there, by the way, Peps?
0: Well, this is from David, who says... One of your recent subjects was about mangling well-known phrases. Uh I'm the husband of Sharon, who called you about wrestling sheep into cars and ending up having a flock of them. That was a
1: tremendous thing. Sheep farming in in estate vehicles.
0: So now we have a background to it. I've kept a record of phrases that have made us laugh that has a special section called Sharonisms. (laughs) Now she didn't didn't give us any of these (laughs) when she was talking to us. She didn't. I have tallied uh, tallied up enough husband points to be in the black and now feel able and brave enough to share my favourite Sharonisms with you. Here goes. Never mix grape and vine. Never look a gift horse in the eye. (laughs) I didn't expect the Spanish inquiry. They're turning fish into five loaves. (laughs) Bravo. Up and down like a fiddler's drawers. (laughs) You can tell a horse's emotion mostly from its face.
1: <laughs> I don't, even, I don't oh, even No, know. no, no. it's not it, it its tail? Oh,
0: okay. okay. It, it is, yeah. That's a camel's back we haven't broken yet. <laughs> if you're early enough, you'll catch a bird. <laughs> And a problem shared is a problem solved.
1: That's beautiful. I, I you Thanks know, I prefer David. those, and I shall originate all of those in a character <laughs> in the book I'm writing. Uh, this is from the other week. This is. It wouldn't turn. We couldn't turn it off. Now there's overtones in this, and don't you, don't you look at me as scamps? Okay. We've already dipped into the world of, well, illegal hypnogenics. Here we go. So <clears throat> this is sent from. Uh, Mark, uh, a good few years ago, I'd gone on holiday in Turkey with my then-wife, Good Riddance, Lucky Escape. <laughs> uh, that's the opening. OK. That's the opening. <laughs> Maybe the music's all wrong for this. Mm. (laughs) Uh, A few years ago, I'd gone on holiday. (laughs) Send us emails you can read through clenched teeth. I like those. (laughs) I did a thing ages ago on the radio. uh, uh, Pop lyrics that sound threatening when said through clenched teeth. Uh, uh, People may remember this, and we had some fantastic pop lyrics from musicals, mainly, that if you say them through clenched teeth, sound very threatening. And the number one in the charts always was, all I want is a Somewhere <laughs> far away from the cold night air with one enormous chair. <laughs> we may have to open that case again. Tell us any lyrics from musicals that sound threatening <laughs> when said through clenched teeth. Anyway, our friend here, I'm probably not doing him justice at the moment. So, um, a good few years ago, I'd gone on holiday to Turkey with my then wife, Good Riddance, Lucky Escape. <laughs> We'd been shown the room and were having a mooch around the facilities within when we noticed a strong vibration and couldn't work out why or where it had started. But we could hear it, but couldn't locate it. My wife then exclaimed, ''It was the bed, it was vibrating.'' This seemed a great addition, but the timing wasn't so great, so we went out uh, without understanding how to switch it off and on again later. When we came back, we searched the room high and low, flicked every switch, but it wouldn't stop. This vibrating was going on and on. The next move was to ask the hotel maintenance workers, who eventually arrived looking bemused. Are these vibrating beds? No, we don't have vibrating beds, we were told. He then picked up the suitcase that was on the bed, and the bed stopped vibrating. It was my wife's electric shaver. <laughs> It somewhere switched on and was making the whole thing. Now, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's overtones that I'm buying it. I'm <laughs> buying, that's exactly what it was. But beds do vibrate, of course.
0: It used to be, again, that what used to f- be in a lovely 50s sort of. What um,
1: a posh feature that was, wasn't it?
0: Sitcom or something when
1: they uh, vibrate beds. Used to put um, uh, 50 pence in the side, I remember. Literally. I've never been on. Oh. That. What a sheltered life. Every, especially if you're on your own, you go in and you think, oh. There's a slot on the side of the bed. Surely they don't charge by the hour of when you're <laughs> going to sleep. And then you th- it's got high and low next to it. So eventually you get a 50 pence you put it in. <laughs> Off it goes. <laughs> For about. Three or four minutes, they were very, very big for a while. Lemon <laughs> water beds, which everyone knows, but vibrating beds with a 50 pence uh, slot at the side. <laughs> Off they go. What What the deal was? I mean, was it for. No, I don't think so. I don't think it was for ancillary yeah. purposes. I think it was supposed to give you a, a rudimentary massage. <laughs> but in fact, the one I remember doing, it was in New York. It could have shook the fillings out of your back teeth. It just. Was, and yes, there was a high and low, but. What kind of wimp is going to put it on low? (laughs) Come on, let's see what you got there. I believe it was eventually remodelled into those bucking broncos you see in country (laughs) and western bars, but it used to be in your hotel room. (laughs) And off you went. Uh, Something from there, Pepsi.
0: I know we've got Graham on the line.
1: Hey, our friend Graham joins us. Hey, Graham.
0: Ahoy, hoy, Morning,
1: Danny. Morning, Oh Ahoy, hoy, Graham. Um, uh, A fella just rang us from the Philippines. Uh, No, Manila. No, Manila. Uh, 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 where the envelopes come from. Uh, where are you calling from, Graham?
4: I'm calling from Bristol.
1: Aww. Oh, OK. Uh, so, um, uh, they're, they're both... Um, no, they're both not islands, either. No, they're not. Um, uh, <laughs> Bristol's not. From now on, Bristol is an island <laughs> in the Bristol Channel. Uh, what, are, what are you calling us for, Graham?
4: Um, so, my brother got in touch. Um, I think uh, last week, mm. you had a call from a bloke who um, had to rescue his daughter's hamster from his garage ceiling.
1: Yes, yeah, a garage ceiling. Um, and then we had the fellow, I believe, in the same thing who uh, rode his go-kart through a, a wall yes. at a community centre. Yes! we did.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so we had an incident just last week, actually. So, um, we've got a border collie called Teal. Oh. He's nearly 14 and a half years old. Oh, She's well done. very old lady now. Yeah. Um, so, um, Last Wednesday, let her out into the garden, as we do every night, for her to go and sniff around and do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, came back a few minutes later, had a look, there she was, still sniffing around. Um, came back a few minutes later, had a look, gone. No sign of her. Yeah. So our garden is... So we had an extension built over the drive a few mm-hmm. years back, and since then our garden is completely enclosed. So the only way out is into other gardens, but there's all fences and walls. Mm-hmm. And I say, she's 14 years old, she can barely support her and body weight. Now her back end's gone, oh, her eyesight's yeah, well, well, gone.
1: Well, we had uh, a very old we had, uh, uh, border collie ourselves, uh, our favourite dog, dear old Bingo. If Wendy's listening to this, she's reaching for a Kleenex right now. Uh, I've got about 15, and exactly the same ailments overtook old Bing. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this story very clearly. But disappeared, yeah. yes? OK.
4: Yeah, so went out in the garden, got turned the phone on, mugged on, uh, the torch on my phone, went around the garden, looked under a few of the bushes, hedges, no sign of her. Mm-hmm. So I started to doubt myself and I thought, well, did I let her back in? I don't think I did, but so searched the house top to the bottom, no sign, back into the garden, couldn't find her. So at this point, I'm starting to sort of. Look into the sky to see whether there was any strange lights and so on. <laughs> just wondering where she's gone. Um, <laughs> you, you, so thought, wife, you, thought,
1: you thought she'd been raptured or something? <laughs> been taken up? I
4: had no ideas. Uh, just running okay. out of ideas. Mm-hmm. So my wife had been. Uh, she goes to a boxer size gym thing on a Wednesday night, so she gets home, finds me in a semi-blind panic, yeah. so I explain to her what's happened, she goes through the same logical arguments as I had, yeah, mm-hmm. she can't have gone anywhere, she must be in the garden, Yeah. Um, so she did the same searching as me, I decided to go and have a quick walk around the neighbouring streets, even though in my heart of hearts I knew she couldn't be out there, but who knows, so in her younger days she did used to escape a lot, but I'd say these days she... I can't no. you can barely get up the stairs, let alone scale a six-foot fence. Yeah. Um So I got back to the house, still no joy, and it was bin night. So I'd been halfway through finding the bins out. So I thought, well, I'll just wheel the bin up to the top of the drive. Mm. And where our extensions built over the drive, next door had also years ago done similar. Hmm. So, basically, there's a four, five-inch gap at most between our two buildings that right. runs the length of the house. Right. And I just thought to myself, nah. Shone my torch down there, and halfway down the house I could just see this little face looking at me.
3: No! And
4: she had decided, we don't know why, she's never expressed any interest in that gap, but whether it's cat or I don't know, but she oh. decided to squeeze herself down, and had probably got about... Six foot from the end before being absolutely wedged in between our house and school. Oh, starts to feel
1: claustrophobic. No, she she, she, she squeezed herself uh, some distance down this uh, tiny little passageway.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. She'd probably gone about, you know, eighty percent of
1: the way down. And I couldn't back and up as you say because the old back legs were. were, were fro- this, because this, to me, it seems like this. I'm, I'm forever looking for another way to Narnia. We know we can't go. <laughs> we know we can't go through the wardrobe anymore. And mm-hmm. I think uh yeah, your, your little dog there was similarly intrigued. What might be at the end?
4: Uh, how did you extricate her? So. I was in a bit of a blind panic. My wife, thankfully, she used to be a vet nurse. She still works in the veterinary profession. Oh, I love that. so on. So um, anyway, I called the RSPCA. Um, He came out sometime after midnight with his sort of long dog catcher poles and so on, Mm -hmm. see if we could get her out, but no joy. Um, So at that point, he sort of said, in the morning, we might be able to get in touch with the fire brigade, but for now, best we can do... Try and chuck some blankets down, keep her comfortable and leave her for the night. She was stand, standing up in this little uh, alleyway, was she? No, no. she was sort of lying down, but you could see that her back leg was sort of wedged under her. Oh, so this is lying, very distressing. It.
1: Wendy would have said, then you're going to have to smash through the wall. You're going <laughs> to have to smash it down, that's all there is to it. And I would have been saying, well, to smash it down. Uh, so you were told to leave it overnight?
4: Yeah, so we had no option. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't too cold uh, that night, so so we managed to get some blankets down over her. Um, the RSPCA bloke left. My wife and I went to bed. This is now one half one in the morning. Hmm. Obviously, didn't sleep. You know, no. Barely slept yeah. up any sleep all night. Um, and then in the morning, the RSPCA PCA guy phoned back and said, still trying to speak to the fire brigade. So that the more I think about it, you're not going to get her out that way. You might need to get a builder. Oh, so go on!
3: Yes, exactly yes. as you
4: just said. Um, we, had, you. we phoned. We phoned Gavin, who built our extension a few years back. Fair play to him; he was round within five ten minutes. Brilliant! Um, and basically, we had to again put some blankets over just in case any sort of rubble fell. But Gavin had to get his drill. Uh, drill through the mortar to extract one of the big breeze blocks out of the garage wall, saw through the cavity wall insulation, no. then do the same for the second <laughs> wall, get the brick out, and the T- wife could then reach through and get the dog.
1: Took the wall down, even with it all down. Uh, and uh, what everyone needs to know was she okay with it? <laughs>
4: She was absolutely fine. I think she was oblivious to the whole what thing. A... Really, I think she enjoyed wow. the attention.
1: Look at Pepsi's but... face. She was hanging on every word of that. I'm going to.
0: There was it. talk of us getting a dog one day. I'm not doing it now. No, I they don't often. Do often they, do they don't often
1: run down rat holes. Not often. <laughs> uh, uh, and and uh, well, I, I won't ask. But uh, lived a full life after that. This was only
0: last it. week, wasn't it? This was
1: only last week.
0: Oh, yes. was it? <laughs> <laughs> Is the hole still there? I'm, I'm so sorry. I skipped over
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Just last week. Has yes. uh, yeah. How is it? How's the uh, how's the uh, the structure of the house?
4: It's fine. I mean, um, I I got home from work and uh, oh. Gavin, you wouldn't even know it had been there. Uh, he did a brilliant job. You wouldn't even know it had happened. Well,
1: uh. it's in Mr O'Reilly you call that, isn't it? It's Mr <laughs> O'Reilly. That's not a supporting wall of uh, and, and the dog's name, again, forgive me for missing these details. Well, uh, 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 all the best to, uh, and may many many years come up. And of course, you're going to seal up that cavity in case it happens again, in case you do it oh, by, yeah. by accident. Oh. Wow! Well, bless you, my friend. Thank you, Graham. Tremendous. Okay. Thank, That's ex- you. thank you. What? I didn't realize it was last week.
0: Last week?
1: Well, uh, Wendy we did, yeah. She'd have attacked. Got me to attack. I was with going to say. A sledgehammer. The
0: thought of going to bed, I thought was pretty um, bold. Uh,
1: and all that, she'd have buttered me up like I'm going to swim the channel. I said, "Go on down there, you go. You'll get them out. You get in there. You can get in there." Now, I'm going to read you this. Um, thank you very much indeed, Graham. Uh, this is from Martin. And this, when I asked for the poshest thing anyone's ever seen. Mm. This is right at the top. By the way, his wife went boxer-sizing. I didn't realise boxer-sizing was still the thing.
0: I don't do any classes, so I wouldn't know. Uh, there
1: was dreadful. jazzercise and size. We were all doing it just before the Macarena <laughs> came in and dominated the entire field. Um, uh, and, uh, and next week we want to do, uh, because they couldn't find the dog, write down a mystery Solved. If anyone's got stories whereby you were baffled and then a mystery Solved would we'll do that. Now, this is the poshest thing anyone's seen, and this really, really is. This is from Martin. This is certainly partial, though not perhaps entirely surprising. Working for a few years in the mid-90s for the Royal Collection, Mm -hmm. mostly at Buckingham Palace, I had been instructed as part of the induction that were one to find oneself unwittingly on a course to bump into HMQ, if, for instance, you were performing some function in the staterooms of the palace and she was strolling towards you, the protocol was to stand rigidly still and avert your gaze. And this fellow works with the Royal Artworks. Frankly, I thought this was poppycock and must be a hangover from a less enlightened time when a lapse into disrespectful behaviour in the monarch's presence would lead to the loss of a head. But I was astonished one summer day to find out it was still being observed. I was with a colleague who knew the ropes, having been in the royal household for a number of years, and we were walking the floors of the route that would have taken the hoi polloi when the palace opened its gilded doors to visitors. Then a novel thing that, if you remember, was done in order to help pay off the repair bill following the fire at Windsor Castle in 1992. This would have been about 1994, I suppose. As we checked off what we had got into the correct number of stanchions and lengths of rope with us to hold back the unwashed and protect (laughs) their treasures for themselves, we heard others approaching ahead of us through the white drawing room. My colleague took a butcher's at all this and then whispered urgently, quick, quick it's the Queen, the Queen's on her way. Stand by a wall and stare straight ahead. My immediate instinct was naturally that he would lost his mind, but I thought I'd play along since two years in, little about the place surprised me. I stepped back to a large fireplace and adopted a glazed look over the palace gardens wondering if this were actually a thing or whether the Queen had ever questioned the rule, (laughs) if she thought her homes were decorated with an ever-changing collection of superbly lifelike mannequins for her delight. As my companion had promised, about a half a minute or so later, Her Majesty Majesty processed, I think that's the right term, into the room we were standing. In my peripheral vision, I noticed she was accompanied by none other than Sir Geoffrey de Baligue, GCVO, FBA, FSA, the then surveyor of the Queen's Works of Arts and a chap I'd spent the previous Thursday evening talking with at length. God knows what we talked about, but I do remember it being at length. Somewhat surprisingly, Sir Geoffrey recognised me, and he went so far as introduce me to his <gasps> companion. Thus, Mum, uh, this is Martin, one of the team who is preparing the staterooms for the public opening this year. Astonishingly, and less posh, I have to admit it, there ensued a good few minutes of quite specific interrogation from Her Majesty the Queen into the details of the opening, including an inquiry as how we measured the visitor satisfaction. <laughs> I recall giving an elaborate answer of surveys and anecdotal recordings and things we had in place, but I'll be honest with you, the actual answer should have been... Fuck knows. I'm sorry, but there... (laughs) I know. I know. I I, 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 I saw it approaching and I thought, do I duck it? Uh, uh, I'm (coughs) sorry. It's trickled my cock. Anyway, he didn't. Now I feel rotten. So I'll do an an alternative version. I'll do an alternative version. But the actual archer should have been Lord knows your mate. No, it's not as good. (laughs) No, it's not as good. I know we need to go, but, uh, you know... See, if I hadn't already been booted off the BBC, that would have done it. That would have done it. Done it. Would have done it. What a way to go. Now the sausage sandwich game. Anyway, uh, anyway, in due course, I no doubt became a bore <laughs> and she had something else better to be getting on with and she uh, she took her leave and I performed the requisite little bow as she meandered off with Sir Geoffrey. My colleague, ignored and unknown by Sir G, remained stock still and silent throughout. He unfroze and carried on and never mentioned that I had had oh. the conversation. By the way, I also spilled red wine on the upholstery in the white drawing room at the Christmas Ball and had to be escorted out by the master of the household. But that is another story for another time. Ah, I apologise for the expletive from Martin in Bedfordshire. Well, I do too. I was reading that blindly and it it, it (laughs) leapt out like a thief in the night. We don't often do that. I don't... I'm sorry. Bleep it. Bleep. No, Phil, bleep it or I'm not going to go off the air. Bleep it and people will know that I've made the right choice there. I promise you. Honestly. Just put that over. I mean that, bleep it, because yeah, yeah. we don't do that. Make the wrong choice there. Uh, perhaps uh, lighten the tone. What would we go? Oh, if, if we're done, oh, okay, we're done. So let's let <laughs> let let's bring it back. Let's go home.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show. Radiating out across the airwaves. From the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What? Better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two. Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session. Wave tatal to the recession. On the Danny Baker show. Take it away
1: to always do, Wisby, thank two, you. Three,
2: four, three, oh. Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied
1: As we laugh the day away In the dream Take it away, Danny! Always do, Wisby. Uh, Louise Pepper has been co-hosting on the other side of the table. Philip Wilding's been in there with Josh on behalf of uh, everybody here at Something Else. But as always, as you can tell by the content, it's chiefly yourselves. And I hope he did bleep that. Otherwise, iTunes are going to take our liquor license away. Uh, We'll see you very much uh, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. I just run out of any kind of comprehension I may have had at the beginning of it.
0: Next time on The Treehouse great tales of either A, handbags or B, fridge freezers, a mystery solved, and unbelievable true excuses.